You are listening to Checkered Past and Present, hosted by Jonathan Booth and Brett Lofton. This podcast is about the history and the present day of NASCAR. Now for your host, Jonathan and Brett, take it away. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to look back at the Indy Road Course. The playoffs have definitely been shaking up. We saw, I am not going to say we saw a surprise winner, but the way he won was a huge surprise to me. And I think that opinion is going to be the same of my co-host, Brett. Yeah, I uh, definitely would agree. Uh, Michael McDowell, if you didn't see, won the race. On Sunday at the Indianapolis Roval, um, you guys heard last week I picked Chase Briscoe. I almost went with Michael McDowell, though, for my forward pick, um, which I would have now. But, uh, yeah, it was a – it was a great race. I felt like um, only one caution um, with no stage breaks. Uh, still have stage points with no stage breaks. Um, that made it very, very interesting. Michael McDowell um, obviously won, leading 54 of the 82 laps. Um, dominant performance. One of the more dominating performances we have seen all season long. Um, he scored 59 points, which is the most out of anybody. Uh, absolutely amazing what he was able to do. Chase Elliott ran second. Uh, Daniel Suarez third. Tyler Reddick fourth. And Alex Bowman fifth. So it was obvious that, that the Chevrolet's also brought speed. Um, but, you know, and, and Chase Elliott, is it looked, looked like he had the best car, but just didn't have quite enough to run Michael down in that, those last 10 laps. Uh, Chase Briscoe, who I did pick to win the race, did finish sixth. He talked to him after the race, and they talked about, you know, he, how he and the team just feel like they can build so much confidence in Indy, and he really feels like that's going to go into next week uh, at Sonoma. But uh, we'll talk about that here. In, uh, or, excuse me. Uh, I don't know why I said Sonoma. At Watkins Glen. Uh, Martin Truex, Jr., seventh. They continue to have strong runs. Kyle Larson, eighth, uh, with another top ten finish this year. Continues to pour it on. Christopher L. Knight and SVG with a second top ten in as many Cup Series starts. Uh, and then just right outside the top ten, Worthy to note, back-to-back winner Chris Busher finished 11th. Didn't quite have the speed that the guys in the top 10 have, but still solid day for Chris. And then Ty Gibbs, who was dumped by SVG, and I know we'll get into that, ended up driving all the way from the back to finish 12th. Um, other notable finishes in the points picture, Bubba Wallace, 18th. Um, not uh, the points they didn't want to have, but uh, still able to come away with something. Brad Keselowski had some good stage finishes. Despite finishing in 20th, he came away with 24 points. Same thing with Denny Hamlin in 19th. Kevin Harvick lost uh, a little bit of, of uh, sand, if you will, a little bit of ground on Brad Keselowski finishing in 23rd. Uh, Jensen Button, kind of a disappointment from him, finishing 28th. And then Joey Logano, uh, Joey Logano and Kyle Busch, two notable names to have issues and finished 34th and 36th, respectively. So, Jonathan, Feel like we hit all our notables there. Let's talk about our finishes and then kind of kind of recap the race a little bit. What, what give us your initial thoughts and maybe some guys you were surprised by outside of Michael McDowell? Well, I'll go on the bad end of it. I was surprised by Joey's early struggles. I know you know me and you talk about it a lot when we ain't on here because you know he's your guy, but it's rare to see Joey make a mistake that bad, especially that early when nothing's really on the line yet. Yeah. Which got him behind the eight ball for the whole day, and they just never could recover from it because never had a caution after that incident in turn one and stayed behind all day. Uh, Noticeable finishes to me. Chase Briscoe, you pointed him out finishing sixth. For some reason, like you said, he can drive around that. He's probably the one person that's hoping they don't go back to the Oval next year. (laughs) <laughs> because that is a guaranteed top 10 run for him. And he probably outdid what the car had yesterday, to be honest, just because of how good he is there. And maybe they can carry it forward to the win. Uh, I'm going to look at these top three. Reddick was maybe an outside chance to win the race. I feel like Larson may have had a chance to win the race, but he wouldn't shot. Uh I think it's turn 10. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a – 100% sure I think that's turn 10 where he overshot it. 
And then he had a flat spot attire, lost a bunch of time. I don't know if he could have been a threat, but he was the only one up there in that top four range, I think, that could have stayed with Chase and them. The card that I think that really hurt themselves yesterday was Daniel Suarez because I think he really would have caused McDowell problems. But unfortunately, like we've talked about with other teams, they have an issue on pit row with the air hose getting hung underneath the front of the car. And they lose a ton of time, and he just couldn't maintain it. And he was faster for the first, I'd say, 15, 20 laps of a run. And then McDowell would pull away because if you watched it, he gained three seconds on McDowell in that run yesterday after the pit stop. And I believe he would have been a real serious threat. Unfortunately for him, that ain't did not come to play. But on the bright side, he's got a really good track for him coming up next week. And you brought up Bubba Wallace. 18th, honestly, for him, I'm not – for road courses, isn't terrible. No. What hurts is who won and then who got the stage points. That's what hurt with McDowell winning because that changed the whole picture. Uh, just one quick note. Um, nobody clinched on points this week. We talked about it was possible since McDowell won. Nobody did. But either Kevin Harvick or Kozlowski is going to be in. It just depends on what happens. If there's no more new winners, they're both going to be in, obviously. But uh, next week, I think Brad's going to probably jump Kevin in the points. Correct. Now, what? Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. I got a few points I want to bring up and then, you know, some few points we'll talk about together. As you mentioned, once we get to the points, but we'll go ahead and talk about that. We have a repeat winner next week. Kevin and Brad will both clinch playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we have a new winner next week, then, like you said, it'll be between Brad or um, Kevin to make the playoffs. I think some interesting stuff we had to talk about. Um, you mentioned Joey. Joey is a very up-and-down guy on a road course. Like I said, don't see that those mistakes out of him. Uh, I think it was just a, a matter of the fact of he, he's – Ryan Blaney just kind of lifted early. Earlier than Joey anticipated. I'm not saying Ryan did anything wrong by any means. I'm just saying he lifted earlier than Joey anticipated. Joey locked him up, and then he messed up himself. And it was unfortunate to see, but it is, it's always good to know that Joey has a win. So we, we know he's going to be in the playoffs. But points-wise, he hasn't been doing himself any favors uh, heading into the playoffs. And, and obviously, we will, um, we'll discuss that as far as the playoff picture goes. Now, Joey would be in the playoff picture. He would be 11th. Um, he'd be the 11th seed right now. So he'd have a little bit of a buffer zone between him and the bottom four, which you always want in the first round, but still not anything to really you know, take all about. Ford wins their third straight race. I, I think that's a, a great point to make here. And, and not because I'm a Ford guy. Like Just looking at it from a race fan standpoint, Ford had run, won just two races right before three weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. they, they had won, what is that, two races in the first 21 races of the year. And then they've won three in the last three weeks. So um, I think that's wonderful for the sport, really. And, and again, a lot of people say, well, you're just saying that because you're a Ford fan. Yeah, that does play a factor in it. But I think we all, as race fans, we want to see whoever we pull for manufacturer, driver-wise, team-wise, or even sponsor-wise do well. But it's always good to see the manufacturer somewhat equal. And I think that now that Ford's kind of finding something, um, I think that's good. I'd be saying that if Ford had dominated the whole year like Chevrolet has, and now, you know, say Toyota had started to find something, I think it's good to see all three of the manufacturers equal. Um, Chris Bush, we talked about it finishing 11th. That ends his nine straight top 10 streak on road courses, um, <laughs> despite finishing 11th. Uh, I ruined I, it. Yeah, you ruined it. You predicted him to win, but it was still a it was still a good run run, run from Chris. Um, I guess you could say 10 straight top 11s. That's not too bad on road courses. But the thing that I want to talk about here, two things. Obviously, we're going to talk about Michael McGowan, but I, I want to get to it's some controversy in the race that really hasn't been talked about. Um, in, in SVG's post-race interview yesterday, um, it was apparently it was off camera. He said that he got away from Ty Gibbs after the race, and he thought it was a polite one, but then saw that it was not. And you can use your imagination there to see what Ty did. Um, and it was because Ty felt like SVG dumped him early in the race. 
uh, tie got spun out, and it was off the front bumper of SVG. It wasn't really a clear replay of it to show one way or the other, uh, but as it appeared, it did appear SVG just straight up dumped him. And Ty had to drive all the way from the back up to 12th. And Steve Latart, as he pointed out on the race on Sunday, I, I'd have to agree with him. If you had a, you know, one or two cautions, Ty Gibbs would have been up there in the battle for the win as fast as he was. So kind of want to get your take on that incident. I know we talked about it a little bit um, last night, but kind of if it's changed or if you've seen anything different today, uh, I'm a little bit indifferent. Obviously, I don't dislike – I don't really have an opinion on SVG. I don't think he's an amazing talent. Obviously, I do like Ty, so it did upset me a little bit. But I didn't see any maliciousness out of it, in my opinion. I don't see it being malicious. You got to think, in my opinion, and I never got a chance to go dig and look for more replays because that is also the same restart going into turn. Joey made his mistake. And I almost want, because he hit Blaney so hard, that possibly that just carry up through the line and that made SVG get into him. Right. But I couldn't find, you know, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I was just curious. Um, I don't think it was malicious because if you look at it, probably every corner on that inside line hit somebody going into turn one for the most part. It's just one of the things that happens at that corner, man. And, you know, me and you talked about it a little bit yesterday. We didn't have no cautions late to see it. But from what you could tell just from the original start and then the one restart we had, then moving the start-finish line before you get to the front straightaway, I don't think was going to help any chaos at the end of that race. Just from what you – because they were still close enough where they could dive bomb three and four wide if they wanted to, in my opinion. And probably even going – and possibly, since they were started back there, going faster. Compared to it, so that's my opinion on it. And you brought up the uh, but I don't blame Ty for being upset, though. Let me say that real quick. I do not blame Ty for being upset for it because that completely ruined his day. And like you said, he did a wonderful job to climb back up there to finish 12th in the race after that, especially with no cautions being out. So I don't blame Ty for being upset at all because he probably felt like he had a top four or five car at minimum. But you just brought up something about the playoff points and Joey being above the bubble. He would be two points above Harvick for the uh, round of uh, 16 cut. Now, if I'm looking at that, one, two, three, four. No, he, no, he would be two above Keselowski because right now Harvick and Keselowski are tied. But some that could change over the next couple of weeks because Keselowski could very easily – because one thing he did about getting, with getting them stage points yesterday, Keselowski now – Two points from moving all the way up to 16 points. And that could adjust the playoff bubble. And I did not realize that, that Joey is only 13th in the actual regular standings until this week. So he is not in position. He's not going to get any playoff points from being in the top 10 of points as of right now. That's interesting. Yeah, I me. mean, I, I find it, like you said, it, it's interesting with Ty – being able to drive back up there, having as good as a car as he did. I'm going to Watkins Glen. He's going to run the Xfinity race again this week. Um, he ran it last week and obviously won it Indy Roval. I think Ty's a threat this week, and he's pretty much, I feel like, going to have to win at this point. Um, being as, as far down, I mean, he's 49 points um, below Bubba, which would, you know, obviously is, is the bubble driver to make the playoffs right now. Not saying that that point swing could happen. But you would, and this is possible now for Bubba to have a really bad day and Ty to have a really good day. That is very possible. But what's not very likely is for Daniel Suarez, who sits in the middle of those two guys in the standings, to uh, to have a bad day. So I, I just I, I don't see Ty uh, being able to make up that many points on the 16th spot because of who lies in front of him with Daniel Suarez. Yeah, Joey, I, I hate to say it, I feel like he's shown speed this year at times feel like you know they still got a lot of good stuff going on he's just not it's not a championship team over there with them right now and um you know only 11 top 10s through 24 races um joey logano is a good enough race car driver he should be having a 50 percent top 10 percentage with ease um joey in my opinion should have 15 top 10s at this point and i know when you look out through the rest of the field nobody else does but joey's also been hard pressed for luck this year i feel like and it's just it, it's disappointing as a fan of his, but it is what it is. You're going to have those down years. 
Um, Chris Bush has made a lot of noise with those wins to move him up to what would be eighth in the playoff standings if the playoffs started today. Um, obviously, MTJ, he's going to run away with the regular season points championship now, barring something catastrophic happening. Um, yes, he can clinch it this week. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's incredible to be able to clinch at a race early. And obviously for him, that's what he wants to do because you never know with the uncertainty of stuff that could happen at Daytona, right? No, so, no. Um, just got to make up a few more points on Denny, and he'll have that he'll have that locked in going to Daytona with a with a sixty point lead on um, on Denny Hamlin. But uh, which, if the playoffs started right now, it would be William Byron who'd be the second seed. And I know we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, pretty much nothing else really changed. I mean, I know Michael winning shook up a lot of stuff in the bottom, but not a whole lot's changing towards the top. We don't we don't really have a true fight for uh, for the regular season championships. So, but I did want to talk about. I know we talk about the points, talk about the race. I want to talk about how special it is for Michael Madow to win. I don't think we've really. I don't think a lot of people have. I, I think NBC did a great job yesterday, but I think the attitude kind of gets lost because it wasn't his first career victory. Um, obviously, coming at the five hundred two years ago now. But with Michael getting a second career win in a front row motorsports car, I read today, Jonathan, and, and I don't think this will blow your mind, but it's still impressive. They don't have one of those, like, eagle test things in the FRM facility. They have to go to RFK to go through, like, a mock testing inspection. And for those not familiar, uh, even junior motorsports, I toured their facility back in May, being, in, being an Xfinity facility, has one of those Hulk, you know, laser, whatever things they're called. They have one in their facility, which most of your top-tier teams do. Front Row doesn't even have that. They don't have the top-tier equipment like a lot of these programs do. And for Michael McDowell to go out there and dominate the field yesterday, and I get it, he, he is a very good road course driver, has been for years, but still, in the equipment that he was able to go out there and dominate in, and as well as he'd been running all year up to that point, um, that, that was one of the more impressive wins that I have seen, not this year, but but I'll say in my lifetime, just because of that equipment, um, is a very impressive drive for Michael. I agree completely. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not surprised he won on a road course because he's always in that top, I'd say, three to seven range right in there. And you, with the way things happen in these races, uh, I definitely thought it was possible. But I ne- I've been watching NASCAR now since – 2000, 2001. So I've watched it the entire time that team has been in this sport. You've seen them win at Talladega in 2013 with David Reagan. You saw them win a fog-shortened race at Pocono with Chris Buescher. Yep. You saw, obviously, McDowell win at Daytona. And and I was there to watch that, and that was really cool to see. But I never thought you would see Michael McDowell in that equipment just dominate a race. You brought up he led, what, 54 laps? Am I correct? Yep. If it wasn't for pit strategy, probably would have led 70 from guys like Denny Hamlin and Brad staying out. If everybody would have pitted together, he would have led more upwards of 70 laps. I think it's really cool. And I think, and I'm really happy for him because of, and I brought this up to you yesterday after the race, in 2021, he didn't get to enjoy it with his family because of the COVID regulations. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really special for him to be able to celebrate and win with his family. And, man, that team, we've seen it for the last two years. That team's just steadily building, slowly but surely. Just slowly moving up. Well, I think you, you kind of had to know that they had speed going into the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um. I, you know, Michael was the fastest in practice on – I think it was the first practice on Saturday, and Todd Gillen was fourth fastest. And Todd's car was just a touch too loose, it seemed like. But, you know, even Todd was showing speed. And it was one of the first times we've seen front row as a program. You go to a track, and they were, like – they were fast as anybody else. And that underdog mantra slowly starting to be stripped away from them which I think is a great thing for that program and that organization. Oh, I love it too. But the thing, you know, and, I, you know, once we saw practice, we knew it was a chance. Right. But going into the weekend, nobody would have picked them to have that kind of speed. Nobody. Or I wouldn't have anyway. You may have, but I wouldn't have. 
Uh, well, a lot of people forget how fast Michael has been on a lot of road courses. And the technical side of an Indianapolis just kind of plays to his strengths. And like I said, I, I really almost took him. We recorded last Wednesday, but uh, Chase Briscoe had just been so good there. And obviously, he still was good this uh, this past weekend, but just didn't quite have the speed. So, that's going to close the book for me on India. You got anything else? Uh, there is one thing I'd like to bring up. Okay. Where has A.G. Allmendinger disappeared to when it comes to let road courses? Ooh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it he, he had terrible. some issues on Sunday. He did have some issues. But they just wasn't fast to, before no. the issues. They wasn't fast in practice. Even the previous two or three years running part-time with that car, he was qualifying in the top five every time. Top six. And they – he was, you know, I ain't going to say slow, but compared to what we thought he'd be, he didn't compete at the Chicago race. He wasn't that great at Sonoma. I think he wound up getting a solid finish, but it was off of strategy. He ran fifth to seventh at Coda. And then this weekend, they didn't even show up. No. And I was shocked by that because I almost considered picking him for my Chevrolet. And I couldn't believe how bad they were. Now, he did wind up getting into it with uh, Ryan Blaney. That really obviously set it on back. But he wasn't nowhere near the top five. To, I don't eight speed-wise or stuff. I don't know if maybe the next GN has taken some of his advantage away, possibly. Because, you know, this car is supposed to be closer to road course cars. And maybe he it makes it easier for some of the other guys, possibly, to push these cars on the road courses. I don't know. But it just seems weird because right now I don't think either one of us. I don't – it's crazy to me to think this, but I don't think you need to – if you're a betting person, I wouldn't waste no money next week the way they've looked on them. No, I wouldn't either. I just think it's it's rather uh, disappointing for, I think, for Matt Colley because you know the 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 big expectation and reason he wanted to promote him to the Cup Series is because of the speed that AJ has shown at road courses with that organization, both in Xfinity Series and well, I mean, quite frankly, in the Cup Series, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he he wanted Indy, he wanted an inaugural Indy Roval race just two years ago, and. Mm-hmm. The fall-off has been incredible for that team this year. I mean, Justin Haley's been rather disappointing. Uh, AJ's been rather disappointing. I feel like, you know, one of the only bright spots this year uh, was, was Justin Haley finished what – I can't remember. He finished second in Chicago Street Race, without not mistaken. Um, and then Chandler Smith had a really good run for him in his cup debut at, at Richmond, the first Richmond race. But um, – I don't know. It's been it's been a rather disappointing year for colleague, and I think they're just like legacy and, and some other teams ready to turn the page. And I guess it's time for us to turn the page to Watkins Glen. And I'm ready um, for it. I am too. It's the go bowling at the Glen, ninety laps, two hundred and twenty and a half miles. You can watch it on USA. You can listen on MRN or Sirius XM. And as always, if you have Peacock, you'll be able to catch some extra stuff on there. Um, as you mentioned, it'll be 90 laps, 220 and a half miles. Last year's winner was Jonathan's main man, Kyle Larson. Um, correction. Um, Two-time defending winner right now. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I, am so sorry. <laughs> I, did, I, I knew that, but I was just going to go with last year. Uh, I couldn't. Um, there ain't been much to talk about lately with him, so I had to brag about something. That is true. That is true. But, yeah, they, this is known as the fastest road course um, on the circuit. If not in motorsports, um, this is by far, and I know Jonathan agrees with me here, this is my favorite road course. I think this provides the best racing because of two different factors. It is fast, but you don't have that much room to kind of drive away. There's so many different braking zones, um, but also, like I said, it's, and it sounds like I'm being contradictory here, but if you watch the race, you know what I mean. There's so many different braking zones, but there's also so many places – where you can really get on the throttle, you can make up ground, you can also lose it. I love it here. Watkins Glen reminds me if a short track was a road course. I, and, again, that might not make sense to a lot of people. Jonathan, I hope that makes sense to you. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it, too, and I understand what you're saying. There's aspects of it to where you would think it's the super speedway of a road course. 
Right. But then in turn one, you got to go 20 miles an hour. Maybe not that slow, 30 to make it. I mean, it's just you're going from, let's say, 165, 70, all the way down to that drastic of a change in speed. And that creates passing. It creates drivers making mistakes. And when drivers are making mistakes, it shows that it's a hard track to drive, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, sometimes with some of these races, you don't see the mistakes. And we saw plenty, and real quick, I'm not trying to talk bad about it. We did see a bunch of mistakes yesterday. It just wasn't big enough to have cautions for. I'm not trying yes. to say that. But, uh, and the it's just, I love the speed. And then you go down the back straightaway, or what I would consider the back straightaway, into the bus stop. That's another one where you're going probably 160-ish. And then you have to jam it down a couple of years and make that turn. And if you're side by side, it is so fun watching them guys try to outbreak each other into the where you enter that bus stop. It is just fun to watch, especially when the race is on the line. And I will be watching every type of vehicle that is on the track this weekend. I love walking. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Uh, I know I know NASCAR is a southeastern sport, and I'm glad that they've got back to their roots in southeast, you know, with Wilkesboro with the, you know, hopefully uh, in the coming years, we're going to see Rockingham back, um, being able to get a lot of these tracks that were part of our really, really, really young childhood, whether it was historical or we remember running them on it. Um, I'm so happy that they're bringing these tracks back. But I'll also say this, for the NASCAR fans that we have in the northeast part of the United States, I know that we still um, go to Pocono. I wish they'd go to Watkins Glen twice a year and eliminate another road course for the exception of Sonoma. Sonoma's been pretty bad the past couple of years, but the historical value of it, I still think they need to go to Sonoma. I wish you would eliminate Coda or eliminate the Indy Roval or obviously bring back the Brickyard, which they're testing there today, but do something and go to Watkins Glen twice a year. I, I absolutely love Watkins Glen. I wish they would go there twice a year, but going there once a year provides a great environment that I've heard. You hear it from the drivers, how great the fans are there. You hear it from just, you know, the media talking about how, you know, awesome it is to be in the infield at those races. So mm-hmm. it's a great environment, and it's the next to last race of the regular season. So it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it is. And you talk about the – there's a debate in some Facebook groups, if you look, to see which infield is the crazier, Washington's Lynn or Talladega. It's like some of these people want to brag about which infield is the craziest one. <laughs> and then you hear about the point – at Talladega, well, we had a dude should steal the pace car. And then Walsh Lynn always throws out, well, we had a dude jump over the fence under a red flag and go get a try to get an autograph from Matt Kenseth under the red yeah. flag. So, they, it's, I don't know if you've ever noticed it. It's funny to me watching them debate about it, which one's the craziest and the best party. But uh, I absolutely look forward to it. I love the Xfinity series there. Uh, love cut. I like it when the trucks run there. I wish the trucks were there this weekend. I agree. But unfortunately, they're not. Um, it's definitely a really fun place for sure. Yeah, I uh, like you said, Watkins Glen. I think that um, it's going to be interesting. Um, you got the Arca, the Xfinity, and the Cup Series this weekend. So Jesse Love is my pick for the Arca at this rate. Yeah, Joker is just <laughs> whooping. <laughs> hey, I don't whooping. think that, that's that's about the. Uh, that's, a, that's about the only pick you can have there. Uh, Jesse Love, he's a, he's a name. I know we don't talk about this a lot on the podcast and so not to stray away from uh, – not to stray away from our picks, as you guys know, are coming up next. But I look at Jesse Love, Corey Heim as two guys that, unless you really follow the sport, which I know there's a lot of people out there like this, more than we recognize. But there is also a lot of just – I call them cup fans. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the, they're the fans that you ask if they watch NASCAR – and they say, yeah, and you ask them what you thought about the Xfinity race, and they say that ain't NASCAR. I'm not yeah. picking at those fans, but you know those people I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And But if you really follow the sport as a whole, Jesse Love and Corey Heim are two guys that I don't think are on a lot of people's radars that are future cup champions. I mean, Jesse Love is a fresh 18 years old. I think Corey will be 20 this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but th- those two guys, along with Chandler, Chandler Smith and Ty Gibbs, are going to run the Cup Series for years to come. And that's that's what's been making, for me, the ARCA Series and the Truck Series so exciting this year to watch uh, 
uh, Jesse, who is, again, fresh 18 years old, and Corey Heim, who was a truck series regular season champ this year. Those guys are full of talent. Um, and speaking of Jesse, has he signed a deal for next year yet to go up another level? I have not read anything. If he I has, I missed it. They, he needs to because at this point, I think you're just almost wasting his time. Well, he's ran top ten. Up. He's ran top ten in every truck race he's ran. Yeah. So, so that you know, I just feel like you're making him waste time if you let him run a full ARCA series again because you're just going to see the same thing. I think obviously he's proven that he can handle that series, and it's time to move up full time. So hopefully that announcement will be coming soon. What I would like to see is. And, again, I, I don't really know what it, it looks like next year, but you'd love to see Corey Heim move up and run that 20 car if John Hunter doesn't take the step to move to Legacy. So you'd love to see Corey take the step, run a 20 car full-time next year in Xfinity. And then on top of that, what I would like to see is is Jesse replace him in a truck series in an 11 truck and then run a, a, some part-time stuff either with the 24 team in the Xfinity series or the 19 team. Um, what, what it was what I would like to see, personally. So it's all good options. Yes, but the one thing about Gibbs, I think they're on, one thing about their Xfinity operation. I don't know which car he'd be in. It seems like they're really pushing and doing everything they can to try to find a sponsorship for Ryan Truex. Just from the way they, because they've already said he's got a ride, and they're still looking for more sponsors. I think there's a part of me that thinks they're really trying. They're hard as hard as they can to get him a full ride. Now, whether he should – I'm not saying he ain't good enough or deserves it, but it's, you know, you got a lot of young talent that needs somewhere to go. Well, I'll say this. This is no offense to Ryan Truex, and I think he's got talent, but um, Corey Heim and, and Jesse Love could outdrive him in their sleep. I And, again, they're guys that I think are – when the NASCAR 100 list comes out 25 years from now, those are two guys that will be on it. Like, that's that's how highly I am on both of those guys. No offense to Ryan Truex, but I don't even think he has the talent that Josh Berry has. And I think that, obviously, Josh getting into Cup Series ride is why I bring him up at 32, almost now 33 years old now, next year. So, I bring up Josh because Josh is the guy that's kind of the Greg Biffle of this generation. I, yep. I, but I don't see Ryan Truex being that guy. I think he could be a solid Xfinity guy, a Justin Allgaier, Elliott Sadler in his career type driver. But for me, if I'm Joe Gibbs, I want Jesse Jesse Love and Corey Hyman in those race cars because I want to be able to develop those guys. So when Martin does retire after next year, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's pretty sure what we're probably going to end up happening. Then you bring up Corey Hyman, you put him in a 19. Right? So – that, that's or, or you would bring John Hunter over from Legacy, and then Corey would get called up to being a 42. Um, Corey Heim just has immense talent. Corey Heim could drive in a Cup Series right now. I won't say as much for Jesse, but Corey Heim could drive in a Cup Series right now. And I just think a lot of guys overlook him. But anyway, that's enough of a rant on the prospects. <laughs> I, I think that I could go on and talk about those guys all day just because yeah. I know a lot this of guys talk about the short track guys, but I love the lower series, man. Yeah. Me too, and we're gonna have plenty of time this off season to dive into that really hard. Oh yeah, about these lower prospects, and I look forward to stuff like that too. Oh, I do. But do you want to go ahead and give us your picks for watching Queen? Mine are pretty clear cut and dry. Um, I don't really have any. I guess what you would say surprise picks this week. Um, like I said, these are. It's some people might take them as surprises, but for me, these are all guys that I think um, should win. Uh, should have cars compete at least. Uh, Kyle Larson is going to be my Chevy guy. I'm not picking him to win the race, but he's who I'm picking to win. As you mentioned, you clearly pointed out, he's won it the last <laughs> two years. Um, I think that with all the momentum they've had running top ten, uh, Cliff's got something brewing this weekend. I think Kyle, if he doesn't win the race, he finishes top five, probably top three. I, I really do. Hendrick just always has so much speed when they come to Watkins Glen. Uh, mm. It's easy for me to – Pick Chase here just because he needs a win. And if he doesn't win this week, he's not making a playoffs. That's my bold statement of the podcast. I don't think he wins at Daytona, but he, he needs a win. But I feel like Kyle Larson's a guy, if Hendrick's able to win in Chevrolet, uh, it, it will be Kyle Larson. Toyota, I'm going to go Ty Gibbs. 
Ty has ran here so, so well in the Xfinity Series. If you remember, I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago, um, he wrecked in the bus stop on the last lap. Um, Would have at least finished second. But uh, I forget who he got in the incident with. I think it was Justin Allgaier, if I'm not mistaken. But has always ran well here in the Xfinity Series. He showed a lot of speed last week. He's shown a lot of speed just about on every road course we've been to this year. I think Ty has a really good finish, if not getting his first career victory. But the guy that I think is going to win, I think Ford makes it four in a row. And we've talked about him in the podcast already. Uh, this is the only road course he's ever won at in his career. And he actually swept the weekend when he did it back in 20 – it was 2015. Could have been 14, but I believe it's 2015. Joey Logano. Um, Joey doesn't run well in a lot of road courses. But he always, always, always is good at Watkins Glen. I think he gets his second win this year, and I think he gets his second career Watkins Glen victory. So those are my three guys. I'm going Kyle Larson, Ty Gibbs, and Joey Logano, Joey being my overall winner. But I wouldn't be surprised if any of the three won. So. Well, good picks. I feel like the first two – I honestly would feel more confident in Ty than Joey, just because that there's just something a little off. And like you said, historically, I think if you look 20 years down the road from now and look at career totals, Ty Gibbs is probably going to be pushing up there with Chase Elliott, Gordon, and all them. Well, not even yeah. 20 years with me, you know, as far as road course wins. He, he's just got unbelievable talent. I think Joey will definitely do better than he did in Indy, though. And obviously, I ain't gonna disagree with you picking Larson. So <laughs> that this is where my my heart wants to do the same thing. I want to say three P. It's so rare that happens. I agree with you. I really think this is a week where they're gonna be really strong. But my gut is telling me to pick Chase Elliott. I'm not picking him to win though. Uh, I think one thing I will say about your pick. Larson is one of those guys that likes winning so much, he ain't going to just not race Elliott if it comes down to it for Elliott to get a playoff spot. I don't believe he's just going to let him have it. But I think Chase for Chevy. Ford, I'm going with. I honestly don't know who I want to go with. You know what? This is his best road course. He actually showed some speed. Yesterday did not uh, start well. Had a bad qualifying effort, so they had to try an alternate strategy that just didn't play out. I'm going to go with Brad. All right. And by the way, Brad, if some of you are new to NASCAR, you need to go back and look up the 2011 finish at Watkins Glen. One of the best finishes in NASCAR history involving Brad and Marcus Ambrose. Yep, sure was. You need to go back and watch that. But my winner, we're going to flip flop 2018. Truex couldn't hold off Chase. This week it's going to be Chase can't hold off Truex. And Truex is going to win in Watkins Glen. He is absolutely unbelievably fast there. Him and Chase battled it out for three years straight. And he very easily could have won the race in 21, the first one that Larson won. So I believe Truex edges out both the Hendrick cars, really. To win at the win. Yeah, I uh, I am uh, kind of torn there. I, I, I like your picks. I also want to point out that uh, Ambrose and the Keselowski ran one-two in back-to-back years there at the Glen. Um, mm-hmm. 2011, they had that really, really good finish. And then in 2012 was the year when Kyle Busch got dumped on the last lap. And then, again, Ambrose won and Keselowski ran second. So, um, that was interesting. So, Brad was good at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On road courses. Um, but, yeah. I, I, Maybe I it was a dodge. That, yeah. It just <laughs> seems like, for me, and, again, I might get hate here because of this. And, and I hate to say this. I, I really hate to say this, actually. And, 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 again, it pains me to say this. And, again, I know people are going to get upset at me. You might even disagree with me. What are you going to say bad about the people's channel? You remember 2015, right? I know mm-hmm. you were there. You lived it. Yeah, and I remember Bush being really disappointed. 
Kyle Busch won five, what, four races in a regular season to make mm-hmm. the top 30 and to make the playoffs. And then he went on his dominant run in the playoffs and, and you know, won his first championship. You know, yeah. you were there. You you were there in uh, 2016 when NASCAR handed Jimmy Johnson a championship, right? Mm-hmm. You were there in, in 2020, you know, when, when NASCAR threw a late race caution for seemingly no reason at Phoenix. You starting mm-hmm. to feel my drift? You were there in 2021 at the Roval when Chase had half his bumper hanging off. Yeah, that's – now, it, it, I don't want to talk to that right there still right yeah that showed right. too much dog yeah that that day that i don't need to cuss on this podcast that made me very unhappy you starting <laughs> to feel my drift nascar yeah. i'm not saying that they do stuff intentionally to help out drivers it's awfully ironic and it just seems like i know i didn't pick him but it it, it just seems like this is the week where Chase Elliott has some magical dominant victory that propels him into the playoffs. And not only is it going to propel him into the playoffs, but he's going to have some magical playoff run if he can win this week. And that's unfortunately because just like a lot of people lost a lot of respect for Bubba at Las Vegas last year, and respectfully so, I lost a lot of respect for Chase Elliott at Charlotte this year. And it just seems like that's what's going to – I don't know. That, I just got a really bad feeling that that's going to happen. And I really hope that it doesn't. Well, I hope the five-car wins. I'm just going on my – which I didn't pick Chase to win. I just picked him to be the best Chevrolet. Right. And MTJ is not a bad pick any week, right? I mean, he's well, he's one of he those is, guys that he's, – he's good everywhere right now, and that whole team's good everywhere right now. And he has been good at Watkins Lynn for a long time, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, He's been his two best road courses. Shockingly, are the two that we've ran at for thirty years, and he's really good at both of them, and that includes Watkins Glen. But uh, I will say this: as much as it will sting me if Chase does win, and I'm not using my heart with it, I'm using my brain. The joke he very easily. Let's be honest. Even though I was happy that Larson won, Chase very easily could have won this race last year, and he's won it multiple times before. So, uh, he's going to be in the mix. And it shows. And I, and I said it and about it looks, And it looks like they had they have found some road course speed in this next gen after yesterday. He, he, he had the best car yesterday. I genuinely believe that he, Christopher Bell, um, Daniel, and Ty Gibbs were the class of field. Those, those four guys were running very impressive lap times. Just able to mow down who, whoever was in front of them. And Chase kind of had a few issues that put him behind in, in some different pit cycles, which was why he wasn't able to catch Michael there at the end. Daniel had the issue with the hose on pit road, as we pointed out. And Christopher Bell, just poor guy, track position and the lack of a caution messed him up. Same thing with Ty. But those four guys were just so, so good yesterday. And it just seems like, I mean, obviously we know Chase Elliott's great on road courses. So it's not like this can be some fluke victory if he wins on Sunday. I'm just saying. It's just, I don't know. You just feel like we know how NASCAR is. I'm not saying the sport's fixed by any means because I don't think you can fix a motorsport race. I just have a feeling that Chase Elliott, there's no way he doesn't make the playoffs. Like, you can't not have NASCAR's most popular driver not in the playoffs. That's That's happened before. Yeah, I mean, it did happen with Dale Jr. So, you you got a point. I, I don't know. My thing is, me personally, even though I'm picking him to be best Chevy, I hope he don't win because this goes back to the whole me and you thinking that should be Winston Cup-style points. Mm-hmm. There's no way, what, 12 weeks from now, we got two, yeah, 12 weeks from now, that Chase Elliott should be standing there being the champion over Truex or anybody else in the top five in points right now. Nope. And I Agreed. felt the same way in 15. 15- and now the difference is, in 15, Kyle Busch came back and whipped tail. He didn't come back and struggle for three months, get suspended, and then get lucky and just win one race. Kyle Busch dominated once he got back. He won the Brickyard 400. He won Sonoma. Uh, like you said, it was four races. I'm pretty sure he won the Southern 500 in that stretch. Am I right? Mm-hmm. He did. I mean, it ain't like 
I will give Kyle credit. He came back and whooped butt from June until November. That is not that is what takes the sting a little bit of it out for me. That is not what that nine team's done. They do not deserve to be in the playoffs. And I it's technically the rule, but I hope he don't make it. And one thing yeah. about Kyle too, Kyle made it in on points, even if he wouldn't have won after missing eleven races. Right. That's how good he did. It's just uh I don't know. I know we talked about it and I feel like we harp on it every episode. And I know some people probably get tired of hearing it, but it just it's so disappointing with NASCAR that we went to this this playoff format. I know we're in our tenth season of it, and I know that if Joey Logano <laughs> would have no championships if we weren't in it, and uh, you know we'd go down the list of different stuff. But I just wish we were in the Winston Cup format. I actually watched a video of that. We should I should try to find it, and, and uh, I wish everybody could watch it. It was explaining how. You know, obviously we talked about who the champion would be and who scored the most points every year in the Winston Cup format. I found it interesting. They went back through time and used a format of every different format. So they went through the entire history of time and said, what if we had the chase for the cup every year? And then they said, well, what if we had the playoff format we had now every year? And I found it so interesting. Joey would actually have three championships if we use the playoff format we had now every year. Um, Harry Gant would have a championship if we use the, you know, chase format that we had from 2004 to 2013. Let me, let me guess, 90, 1990 or 91. Yeah, when he won on that stretch. In Where October. he was Mr. September. Or Mr. September. He, I think he won, what? Four. Uh, four races, and then he had, he had a top five streak of like eight straight yeah. races or something. It wasn't just that. He won every bush race in that stretch, too, if Correct. I remember correctly. I mean, it so, was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I think the light for me, and this is what I'll close out the podcast with, for me at least today, and, and again, whatever final thoughts you have to, these are my final thoughts. My final thought is this. If you go back and you look at the history of NASCAR, and as a sanctioned body, 1972, they went to Winston Cup. Then, you know, Around that time, they went to the 36 race. Or they, they, they took away how you could just score points four times a week, right? When Richard Petty was running 60 races a year, and they all counted for points. And then we've gotten to where, you know, we went to 33 races for a little bit, and then we extended it back out to 36. And then they finally, you know, they, they had their good points format in the late 90s. And then they got tired of people like Matt Kenseth and Terry Labonte winning one race a year and Bobby Labonte winning one race a year and winning a championship. So they came up with a chase format, right? How long did the chase format last? 04 to 13, 10 seasons. We're now in our 10th season of this playoff format. My hope is NASCAR has had to hear the feedback. They have to see social media. They have to hear all the people crying like we do on podcasts and on television and on radio shows every single week to hear that we want some kind of point system like every other single freaking motorsports in the great world and greater United States and North America uses. <laughs> Europe, Japan, Asia, any continent, the world, the earth uses. You get my picture here. No, they, I don't. They, they got to have heard our feedback. Like the Winston Cup format was not that bad. And if you want to have a compromise, keep your stages. No caution breaks. Let's do what we do on road courses. Keep keep your stages. Keep your playoff points. Keep keep uh, whatever else you want to do. Say we take the top ten guys, kind of like what we did in the chase, but different here. Take our top ten guys. We say those are the only guys that can be able to win a championship. And you just eliminate a guy after each something. I, maybe no, no eliminating anybody. We got to get back to some kind of points format here. And I know they're going to want to compromise with a playoff format too. But we got to get to some kind of like it's it's. Let's just say this: it is going to be a shame this year if Martin Truex Jr. he continues out what he does over the final twelve races. It's some kind of consistency of what he's been doing. It's going to be a shame if he doesn't win a championship, right? Whether you like him, you love him, or you hate him. Again, I'm not a big fan of MTJ. I'm just being factual here. 
He's been the clear-cut and best driver in the circuits this year. It's going to be a shame if he doesn't win the championship. And that's what bothers me about this format. These guys are going out here having amazing seasons, and at the end of the year, you end up with an empty cup. And for me, I point back to 2020 when Chase Elliott had a horrid year and then still some way found himself in the Final Four, and your best driver that year didn't even make the Final Four. And Kevin Harvick would have won the championship by two races if we'd have just ran a regular points format that year. And people say, well, Chase would have won the championship last year. He would have. And it's a good point to make. And I know I'm going on a rant right now. It just bothers me so much. I'm done. That's my final thought. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Ty Dillon in the round of 16. Does anybody think that should happen? The man is 32nd points. If he wins at Daytona, he's in the playoffs. Yep. And depending on what happens this week, could knock out Kozlowski or Harvick. That's one of my biggest issues with it. Obviously, we've talked about it. One of my biggest issues with it is how you get in the thing. That's just like last year. There is no way on God's green earth that Austin Dillon should have been in the playoffs. And it happens every year, but right now, Ty Dillon is the worst driver that has ran every race in the points. He could still make the playoffs because NASCAR, yep. for some reason, wanted to make it easier and get rid of the top 30 rule. I still ain't understood that. I don't. I'm like you. I've been thinking about that this year. It's been ten years. I hope, maybe, possibly, we're going to change it. I honestly think the original chases would be better. At least then, the guys that were in it had to be real consistent in points because at first it was the top ten drivers in points. Then they moved it to twelve, but uh, because they had the two wild cards the last several years of it for the guys between 10th and 20th with the most wins. But, man, it has been so – and maybe I'm more – because I think back 2004, 2007, mm-hmm. 2014. And mm-hmm. what really bugs me about it is my guy, you know, my all-time guy is Jeff Gordon. I don't care what anybody says. My opinion, best driver of all time. And if we wouldn't have changed the stupid points format, people would talk. But now people don't even talk about Jeff. They want to put like three or four people ahead of him for some reason. He is the winningest driver in the modern era of NASCAR. Well, it's like, and, and I love what Dale Jr. said last week. I listened to a bit of his podcast. He and Mike Davis were talking about how Jimmy Johnson didn't get voted in unanimously. We can all agree that those voters should be revoked their votes, correct? No doubt. But nobody has been voted in unanimously. And I think it, if you if you, if you you kind of – if you feel us and you agree with us here, you should go and watch his podcast. Because Dale Jr. kind of said, yeah, he goes, I mean, I, I was very upset. He goes, but then I kind of sit down four hours later and I think, well, 93% is really, really good. He goes, it's way more than I got. He said, I'm saying he should have got way more than I got. He said, that's way more than I got. He said – it's more than my dad got. It's more than Richard Petty got. He said it's more than David Pearson got. He said and some people out. He said more than Jeff Gordon got. He said there's some people out there that don't even believe that Jimmy's the greatest driver of all time. He said there's people out there that believe David Pearson's the greatest driver of all time, and he didn't get voted in unanimously. And Mike Davis came and said, "Well, you know, uh, we, we're basing this off championships." He goes, "Well, if you look at wins." Only one man was better than David Pearson. He goes, you know, he said, you know, my dad doesn't rank. He goes, he's not even near David Pearson on the wins list. So I love the transparency from Dale Jr. And that Mm -hmm. all ties back to the points format. When you look at NFL football and you compare the 49 or you compare Joe Montana's, I think he won, what, four or five Super Bowls to Tom Brady's seven. Those are comparable, right? Because the game of football while it has changed, you still score touchdowns the same way. You still mm-hmm. play postseason the same way. You still – it's still the game of football. When you look at Major League Baseball, I know they have changed their playoff formats over the years. And while it may be easier to make the playoffs, it is still harder for a team that has a worse record to be able to advance. Kind of like it is in NASCAR, but still. You still play the series. Baseball still won in series. The better team is usually going to win. So you can compare the World Series that the Braves won in 2021 
to the World Series that they won in 1995. But what you can't do is compare Joey Logano's championship of 2022 to Alan Kowicki's of 1992. You can't compare Jeff Gordon's championship of 2001 to Jimmy Johnson's of 2010. That's what bothers me. That's what really, really, really bothers me. In NASCAR, we talk about the great history of it. You can't compare errors. And here's the thing. If it was the open once format, Johnson wouldn't want it in 10. Hamlin would have wanted them, if I'm correct. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that one. Yeah, actually, uh, no Harvick. Right quick, is Harvick or Hamlin one? I still don't think Denny would have a championship if we still ran it. It would have been uh, Kevin Harvick would have scored his first career championship that year. He was consistent, but that was the year Hamlin went on a. He should have won it in the chase format, but they basically threw it away. So, and like you, as you mentioned, obviously, Jeff Gordon would have won his seventh championship in 2014. Kevin Harvick would have won his fourth championship in 2020. Uh, We'd have had a few guys who would have went back-to-back, including Kevin in 15 and 16, and Kyle Busch in 18 and 19. And uh, Hendrick would have swept the last two years with Larson in 21 and Chase last year. So all of that to say, and again, I think this is a good place to kind of finish off that conversation. NASCAR, please look at the other forms of motorsports in the world and then the United States, and then, the, again, in, in F1, in IndyCar, just everywhere, not even the United States, North America, just everywhere, like I said, the world. And look at that and say, hey, none of them use gimmicky playoff formats. Maybe we should go back to what we had. And if people complain about a driver winning a championship for scoring the most points in a season, maybe, here's a wild idea, they shouldn't be watching racing in the first place. Anyway, I agree. It is happen. literally even the short track every night uses a season long championship. NASCAR, I, I get what they were trying. And again, I know we said we're going to finish off. This is my final thought. I get that NASCAR was trying to acquire new fans and a new fan base when they went to that format because but they want to game seven we like were- that. Correct. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm sorry, Brad. I'm sorry. We were like closing in on the NFL at that point. Yeah. We were the number two watch sport in the country. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I'm no, no, you I got fired that, up. That, that validates your point. I, I don't I don't get they wanted to create a game seven type atmosphere, but even when you look at it every year, the World Series has not went to a game seven since twenty nineteen. It has went to a game six the past three years. When you look at the NBA Finals, did not go to a game seven this year. Did not go to a game seven last year. It did not go to a game seven in 2021. Okay? we, we It did not go to a game seven in 2020. Last time we went to – it was in, in six games in 19. I'm trying to think the last time we've had seven games in the NBA Finals. You get my drift, though. You cannot create a game seven type atmosphere. Just race. Racing is different than batting ball sports, and that's what I'm getting at. And one last thing. Does anybody watching this sport, and any of you listening, does anybody think of any championship from 2014 through now as one of the greatest championship battles of all time? No. No. You think of, even though it was a chase, at least there was more than just one race to it, 2011. You think of... Yep. 1992. Yep. You think of uh, 97, that was Jeff, Mark Martin, and Dale Jarrett within 40 points of each other. 1990. That's literally 1990 when Mark Martin and Earnhardt, a penalty at, after the second race of the year, cost Mark Martin the championship in the long run. Mm-hmm. And it's just one after another. And uh, there was great battles with Darrell Waltrip. I'm going all the way back if you're a huge history buff like I am. Darrell Waltrip, Richard Petty, 79. Waltrip led the season all the way. Through the whole season, and Petty made a late season charge. I mean, you don't think there's a reason that those championship battles are special. They're not manufactured; they just organically happened. Right. But anyway, I think me and you need to get off our soapbox for today. Not <laughs> whatever. Uh, and me and Brett get together. It's almost like a just a phone conversation when we get down on one of these little comments. Just pretend like. If y'all had a recording on our phone conversations, that's what you've heard for the last 20 minutes. But uh, anyway, guys, it was uh, 
great show. I think we had a great race at Indy before the Watkins Lynn. And as I always say, support your local short tracks if you have one. I know it's hot, but get out there and enjoy it. And if you're in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, I'm sure you've heard of the Southern Street Stock Nationals. That's this week at my home track. Can't wait for it. And we'll see y'all next time. Later.